1: Law and grace, how do they coexist with one another? Or do they? Let's talk about that here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Law or grace, it's an either-or proposition. You can live by the law, take your chances, or you can live by grace and know for sure that your way to heaven is secure, secure in somebody else's ability to perfectly do that law that you want to take your chances on. So how do law and grace get along, or do they? Well, that's what we're looking at here in Galatians. Welcome to the program, This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Won't you join us? Law and grace are unable to live in the same house. That's the title of today's message. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with more.
2: First 21 through 31, Paul is concluding his doctrinal argument that we are not under the law in any way. And he is trying to establish these Galatian converts who were both Gentile and Jews. primarily, I believe, that would have been uh, Gentile as a whole and uh, he's been saying over and over we're saved by faith alone in christ alone through grace alone and don't add the law we're not saved by christ plus keeping the law that's what he's taking on and that may seem like a remote issue to you but believe me when the church was getting its start starting with jewish believers Those believers as a whole, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jewish people were saved. So, as Christianity is developing, to actually say God can save Jew or Gentile by Christ alone, and you're not going under the law, uh, that was revolutionary. And this was the, the great theological battle to launch the church. Let's, don't mix it. Is the law good? Paul said it's wonderful. It's good. It's perfect. Could the law save? That's the issue. The law revealed to you, you had a dirty face. But it didn't have the soap to make your face clean. You had to go to Messiah to get you out from the curse of the law. But the law was wonderful. It was divine expectations. But we failed and failed and failed. But it still revealed the heart of God. The precepts of God, so the law in and of itself is good, but was never given to save. And that was the problem. To actually add a work system, even a good revelation, to Christ, that was the problem. Let us read. And he, I think this is a brilliant, brilliant argument, what he's going to tell us here. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. But his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively or allegorically. For the women represent two covenants, now, when he uses this word allegory, and I give you a little definition of allegory, the use of characters or events to represent ideas or principles in the story. And he tells you right up front, I'm using these two women, and I'm going to use them in an allegorical fashion to represent two covenants. An old covenant made under Moses, and the new covenant which Christianity is under, made by the Messiah dying and rising again. And so he's going to say, these two women, allegorically, are going to represent two covenants, old and new. One covenant is from Mount Sinai. Now that's the law. That's Moses. And bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem, which was the city that was the headquarters of Judaism and really for uh, Christianity. But he's going to say Christianity has a different headquarters because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, and he quotes Isaiah 54 1 here Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who would have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What is he telling us here? What is it? He's wrapping up his whole theological argument with a remarkable use of story, and he's going to draw it out like Pilgrim's Progress, and out of the story, he's going to say something profound. What he's going to argue for is he's going to argue for who is your mother. Now, this is so totally, I mean, this must have just shocked every reader that ever heard this, because what was the debate among the Judaizers with these new believers. Abraham is our father. We are of Abraham. We're on the inside. And much rabbinic literature would teach if you were related to Abraham, you automatically went to heaven. If Abraham was your father, you automatically had it. Some rabbinic tradition said Abraham stood at the mouth of hell And as you people were getting ready to descend into hell, all he would ask is, are you related to Abraham? And if they were, they were exempt from eternal judgment. So it was strongly argued in the rabbinic literature, relation to Abraham is your ticket to heaven. Now, here, Paul's going to pick up the argument between these Judaizers and these new converts. And he uses a twist. Guess what? Abraham had two women in his life. A slave woman from Egypt by the name of Hagar. And a barren wife named Sarah. Let's kind of see the story. i give you the story by his age. And we've got to go back. Genesis 12 through Genesis 21. Abraham was called at the age of 75 to... uh, get out of Ur Babylonia area and uh, God would give him many children but Sarah was a barren woman and God waits a long time he says I want you to go I'll give you many descendants but you're living with a barren woman so right from the get go Abram knows God's got to do something to fulfill this promise this was God's promise you leave and I'll make mighty nations out of you. Age 75. Well, at the age of 85, uh, the promised son has not arrived. And Sarah becomes impatient. And she comes up with a way to give Abraham children. She suggests that Abraham take Hagar as his wife and have children to her. It's not a bad idea very common in that culture that posterity was so uh, important and so essential sarah just one day said hey i know how we can figure this out i'm barren he needs children this promise god made way back he seems to have forgotten god didn't maybe god doesn't care how we get the children let's just get them so, he goes in and Hagar and he procreate a child. And uh, everything seemed fine and dandy. The only thing, this was not the will of God. This was a human invention to accomplish something God promised. Do you ever hear this thing the end justifies the means? All that matters is that we get results. Did you know that many horrendous things have been done with that philosophy? Just get them to do the right thing. Who cares how we do it? You wouldn't believe, if you've ever read church history of the counter-reformation, that in the name of Christianity, people were threatened by the sword to get baptized That they might keep up with the Muslim world back during the Crusades, and so many people would go down to be baptized at the end of a sword. Because it doesn't matter how you get them baptized, just as long as we get them baptized, and that's all that counts. The end, the end justifies the means. We got to get results. We got to get numbers. We got to pull this off. And who cares if God does it or we do it? We just got to pull it off. And that's where J. Hudson Taylor came up with the famous line God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. And uh, he was a man that believed if he prayed and believed, God could supply. Well, uh, by age 86, Hagar's pregnant and Sarah gets jealous. And uh, she insists that Hagar be put out. And if you read the narrative, Hagar's put out with the baby and uh, uh, could have died. But God had mercy on her and uh, spared her. It was not her idea. She's, she has to just carry through with it. And so eventually they're allowed to come back to the home. But at 99, God speaks to Abraham again And says he will have a son by Sarah. And says to name him Isaac. Now Isaac is a beautiful name. It means laughter. It was used in Genesis 18 of the laughter of unbelief when Sarah heard it. God the son himself came to tell her, Sarah you're going to have a baby. And she broke out laughing with unbelief. But the name is not just for unbelief. It's with joy. The laughter of joy. To think of an old man, 99 years of age, having a son by a barren wife of many years, it's going to bring laughter and joy to your home that you can't imagine. Well, uh, at age 100, how many of you men would like to have a child at 100? Uh, I don't think you'd want to name him Laughter. The laugh would be on you. Uh, Isaac is born. But Isaac creates a problem in the home. Rivalry between Ishmael and Isaac, Sarah and Hagar. You've got to know that for 14 years, Ishmael has been the only son Abraham had. 14 years. Now he had many more sons after these two boys. But here, his heart's wrapped up with Ishmael. He just says, I think Abraham was plenty satisfied. All I want is some sons. I want to pass on my name and my posterity through a son. He was fine with that. But that's not what God's intention was. And so God gives Isaac, and when he shows up on the scene, this is not good, at 103 years of age, They're having a party to celebrate Isaac being weaned. Jews at this time, history says, usually nurse their children to about the age of three. And so at the time that Isaac has been weaned, they're having a party. And at the party, Ishmael begins to hassle Isaac. Begins to make kidding, make fun. Who knows the nature of it, but... It wasn't good, at least not to Mama Sarah. She didn't like the way her son was being taunted. So, she puts up a hassle. And this time the Lord tells Abraham, you must put her out. It's time. Put Hagar and Ishmael out. I'll take care of them. And I'm going to let him be a mighty nation. he would be the father of the Arab nations. Well, far outnumber really the descendants of Isaac. But let her go. Get them out. And so what would have just been a family feud scene, Paul, under the guidance of the Spirit now, says, hey, there's a battle going on about Messiah and faith in him. And we've got one part of Abraham's descendants saying Messiah alone is not enough. It's Messiah plus the law. And of all things the analogy says guess what present day Judaism you are from Hagar I can't imagine what a Jewish man would feel like to hear that. Especially with the racial animosity between Ishmael and Isaac the great Jewish Arab conflict and this has been going on forever and he said it in Genesis Ishmael shall live to the east of you and he will be like a wild ass you will never be able to negotiate with him and that's what he said when the boy was born you won't negotiate with him he's too wild and we've never broke a deal yet that stays together with the Arabs can't only Messiah's return is going to settle that conflict well let's follow out what he's theologically teaching there's one father two women the question is who's your mother who do we relate to we know that Christians claim to be related to Abraham through the seed Christ The Jewish people claim to be related to Abraham racially. And there's no question about that. But he's arguing here that racial connection with Abraham does not mean you've got a relationship with the living God. And he says, by faith, by faith, you come to know God. And he says it in Romans 9. He said, those who are the natural descendants of Abraham do not know the God of Abraham necessarily. Being Jewish is not enough. Being Gentile is not enough. You must come to faith in Christ. He says in John 8, there was a battle going on with Christ. Nobody was acknowledging him as God. And they said, hey, we don't need you. Abraham's our father. He said, if Abraham was your father, you would recognize me as God. But your father really is the devil. John 8, 44. And his deeds you will do. And his will you will do. And I want to tell you, there is two families going on in the earth today. Those that are spiritually related and under the control of Satan, Satan's influences. And the family that's born again under the influence of Jesus Christ. But he's using an argument going back to history. Abraham, you can be related, be related to Abraham, but are you on the Ishmael side? are on the son of promise side. And he says, we Christians are related through promise. For our birth was not natural, and our relationship with God is not racial. It came about through faith alone. Now, watch what he's going to do here. He's going to compare. And if you read the text and go through it, these are the comparison. You Judaizers, you that are telling us to go back under the law, you are a part of the slave woman. You're introducing that which makes us slaves. And God wants us to be born in freedom. You know, that's a marvelous thing. Do you feel free? And I'm not talking about the American flag. Are you free or are you driven by another power, not your own? Did you know that God did not save his kids to treat them like slaves? He said, we are no longer slaves, Romans 8, but we have become sons and heirs of God. We're treated like family, not slaves. And you can imagine slavery in this country, uh, the difference of uh, being treated like a slave on a plantation versus being the heir of the household the inhumane. Of course, biblical slavery was not as bad as American slavery. But to be a slave on any level, he said, all that practice sin are slaves of sin. And it's a wonderful thing that God is building a family through his promises in salvation that is free. The shackles, the addictions, the uh, sinful chains and desires are broken by the power of God. It's a new birth. It's not racial. It's relational. He goes on to say, "If you're born of this one Hagar, it was a natural birth. Abraham just went in the tent and procreated. Nothing. nothing it just. It says in the ordinary way, in the natural way of begetting children." No big divine occurrence going on. People been having children for ages. But when Sarah's womb has been like a tomb all of her life, and this woman is as good as dead when it comes to the baby department, God had to supernaturally work on her body And supernaturally do something at the appointed time so that a barren old Jewish lady who had given up all prospects of ever bringing her husband any children, God kept his promise, and his promise was through Sarah. By divine power and promise, Isaac was born. Nothing natural about it. Supernatural. Supernatural. Just like Messiah would come supernaturally. And he's making the analogy to this present family of God. Did you know to be in God's family is not a natural birth? John 1 says we were not born naturally of the flesh, but we were born by the will of God. God did something in your heart to make you born. We're not just religious. We have a relationship. I have a birth dna connected with god the divine nature is in the born-again believer right. his seed is in us first john 3 9 that's bold language the very seed of god is said to be in those who have been born from above this is what this being born again it's not just uh oh nominal christianity or i'm a baptist i'm a presbyterian i know it are you a christian well, I'm a, I'm a member, of the, I'm a Catholic. Oh, when's the last time you went to Mass? I meet many Catholics. I'm a Catholic. No, you just baptize that. You're not a Catholic. The church had die based on your attendance and your giving. That's just what you, the label that was put on you. But you think you've got it. No, you don't. Put all the labels you want on an empty can. It's still empty. What do you have to have? You have to have a supernatural birth. This is called being born again. And Nicodemus, a religious teacher, had to be told, Nicodemus, being a rabbi, being related to Abraham racially, does not give you eternal life. You must be born from above.
1: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard